Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are taking a step into the practical skills sets that we all use every day. And we're talking about opening statements and how we prepare for them, how we think through them, and how we get to a finished product. So Mary, you just spent a lot of time drafting and preparing and practicing your first opening statement. Is that correct? That is correct. So For a case that got moved. I know. It's so devastating. But it's still set. It's still set. Yeah. It's still out there. You're still going to get to do it just in a few more months. That's right. So if you wouldn't mind, share with us your thought process, what you did to prepare. Since this was your first one, what did you do? So I opened up a Word document and just wrote out what, if someone asked me, what is this case about? I just wrote it out in my own words. Then I went back, you know, and added all the technical, you know, factual dates and whatever from the file. After I had an outline ready to go, I initially practiced just reading what I had written out and I read it to my husband and I could tell that he wanted to give feedback, but didn't want to cut me off during it. But after I was done, he's like, just put all of that away and just tell me what the case is about, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it was funny because the more that I spent time writing things down, the more I realized that I'm better when I don't have words in front of me if I'm talking about something that I know as well as the case that I'm about to try. So I think my first time around some of the things that I initially thought I needed to do was get everything down on paper, organize all my thoughts, put in the substantive parts of the cases, beginning, middle, and end. But then as it gets closer to trial, you kind of realize that you already, you know, the whole case is up in your head anyway. So you don't really need the paper, the outline as you go through it. Do you think that an opening statement should give the jury all the information about the case? No, especially in the cases that we work up and the way that we work up cases. Obviously, because this is my first opening statement, I got a lot of feedback from attorneys in this office. And one piece of feedback that I got was leave something for the case. Don't show all your cards right now. And when I say you don't tell the jury everything with the way that we at Simon work up cases, it's because we take depositions and get a lot of great admissions in those depositions. And we're going to get those same admissions at trial. If they're different, that's even better, but same admissions at trial. So it's nice to kind of save those for the jury. So they actually have something exciting to look forward to. And you kind of can set the stage for that, like just wait and see how this is going to play out and then let them listen to it. The other piece of advice that I got from attorneys in this office that I think was really helpful to me was don't try to be another lawyer in this office. Don't try to imitate another attorney. Just be you and put in the the evidence or the facts that actually need to be in the opening statement. And that helped me a ton because I, I didn't feel like I was trying to fit a mold anymore. I'm just being myself. And I think the closer that we got to trial and the more that I practiced it, the more comfortable I was with that idea just knowing that you're just telling a story to a group of people. 
I think you're right. I think just recognizing that this is your really your other than voir dire, which you're not really supposed to get into too many of the detail facts of the case. It is you're standing in your client's shoes telling your client's story. And I've always believed that it's okay to have a little emotion to it. I agree you can't really read words from a page, although I have seen that. Not in this office, but I have seen that. I think you need to be prepared enough to know what to say, big categories of what to say, but not read it from a page. And I don't, I don't know a whole lot of, I say that, I've seen that being read before, but not very, not very <laughs> often. Erica. Yeah. What do you think about the use of technology in an opening statement? I don't like it. And Why? mostly because if I'm getting up to do the opening statement, unless it's a smaller case that I'm handling on my own, I probably haven't done Vordire. So getting my own sea legs is the very beginning of that opening statement, which like Mary said, when I'm looking at an opening statement that I've written and trying to memorize it to the extent that I'm comfortable in it, and it's not memorizing what you've written, but like Mary was saying, memorizing in a way that you are comfortable, like telling it's, you know, it ends up being like telling your own story from when you were in high school or something. You can tell it 10 different ways, 10 different times. But my own nervousness dissipates the more I prepare. And my thought process is when I'm standing up there trying to connect to a jury at the beginning, Fordire has given them a teaser about the case and they've already formed some opinions about what you're going to talk about. And I agree with Mary that you really just need to fill in a bit of a roadmap, give the outline of the story they're about to tell without all of the fluff that you're going to bring to light. And by fluff, I mean, that's the wrong word. It's um, the really key, the gut-wrenching details that turn someone's mind, that turn someone's stomach when they hear what happened. You want to know the overview, but not get into the real nitty-gritty and those things that are going to maybe be kind of shocking when you get to the meat of the case. And so that first paragraph, if you will, or that first intro to the opening statement, I find that I'm not thinking at all. And that's true, not just of an opening statement, but anytime I go to do any public speaking. So I make sure I know that first intro actually memorized, like not, you know, I'm not going to say it any differently than how I practice it. I'm going to just say that because just in that first, you know, maybe 20, 30 seconds, I'm trying to open my airway so I don't sound like I'm choking because I'm nervous because I'm beginning to publicly speak. And after that first, you know, 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, I remember to take a breath and you can get through the rest and your brain turns on again and you start thinking. So that's a long answer to, I think the fact of trying to use technology in that same instance disconnects you from the jury and also complicates what you're trying to do as far as just calming yourself. But I don't feel that way about closing. So I'm not saying it doesn't have a use. I just think in opening it probably distracts based on the type of case you're trying, I guess. I think that's interesting because I have, over the years, added more technology in because it's the way to go. And people are visual learners for the most part. But I agree. I think opening, I've done it both ways. More recently, I have added a few PowerPoint slides to opening, but I agree with the part 
your first connection with that jury should be just you and them and making eye contact and having and emoting and having them feel not just listen and hear what you're saying, but feel what you're saying. And then if you're trying to make a point and there's some really critical facts or critical admissions, then throw a few things up on a slide so they can remember that too. But just like most things in life, I have a terrible memory. I really do. But I can almost always tell you how I feel about somebody that I met. I may not remember what they said, but I can remember how I feel about them. And that's what I want the jury. I want the jury to feel that we know this case. We believe in our case. We're here for our clients and that it's an important case for the client. And I, I think you're right. You only get a f- one chance to make a first impression. And it's within those first few minutes that you can really get someone or not. Liz, is there a format that you like to follow with opening statements? Or is it more of just telling your story? So I do believe that there is a format. And this is based off what I've seen other attorneys do as well as just what they sort of harp on in law school. But I think you need to open up with the facts. Give them a a teaser. And and the best description I've ever gotten for for how to lay out your facts is um, a, a judge told me this after my first opening. He said, your opening statement really should be like a movie trailer. Give them a flavor. Give them an idea. What are who are the the characters that they should care about, and 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 what's sort of the theme? But leave them wanting more. Make them want to actually stay and figure out what the full story is. So so treat it like a movie trailer. But in addition to those facts, I do think you, after explaining who everyone is and and why you should care about, um, you know, why they should care about your client. Um, and, and what happened to your client, I do think you need to give them an idea of, of setting up the law and telling them, you know, this is the law, this is what you have to follow throughout the trial. Because the judge reads the jury instructions and, and gives them an idea of, of what the rules are in the court. But honestly, having watched enough juries, they really do zone out when the judge is talking. They, they hear it and it just kind of zooms by them. But when I think during opening statements and they really start to feel like, oh, this is real now, I've got to pay attention, giving them an idea of these are the rules we have to play by, and then finishing off with bringing them back to your client and saying, this is what we're going to ask for at the end of this trial, and giving, kind of anchoring that idea of of, this is what we want, this is what justice requires, and you're going to see this throughout the trial. I think that's, at least that's my way of mapping out an opening statement. Facts law, what we want at the end of this trial. And I think, too, opening statement is when you're telling the jury what the case is about. And I'm, I'm forgetting if I read this or if it was one of the attorneys in this office who who told me it's it's telling something very personal to a trusted friend is how you should tell the story of your client's case. And I think something that I've that I found even in practicing my opening statement for this upcoming trial is that there's a fine line between because, you know, you do have to go over the technical aspects of the law and, and what legally needs to be followed through and the instructions that they're going to hear. But there's a fine line, I think, between trusting the jury, trust the jury with the evidence, but don't, in, don't, don't insult them by making it. Don't dumb it down so much that you feel like if you were listening to that, you'd go, okay, I get it. 
but also say it in a way that they'll think, okay, I get it. (laughs) So that's what I think has been really interesting practicing for this case is that every person who I've practiced my opening with, they've all left with, I get it. But some would say, I understood within the first five minutes. So you don't need to go into that part anymore. You know, so it's like that fine line between like too thorough. make your point. Yeah, make your point and be done with it, especially when it's a great point and just move on and know when to move on, even in the initial storytelling. And I think, too, you guys, uh, Amy and Erica, you were talking about your first impression with the jury. And I think you were talking about it in conjunction with using technology and talk about a first impression and gaining the trust of a jury. I think using technology can give you some credibility if you're talking about what a record says. Sure. Because it's so easy for another attorney to stand up and say, that's not what the evidence will show. But if you've already showed them, you know, I said it says yes and it says yes, then there's that kind of debunks the ability to take away from your credibility with the jury, at least initially. Let me clarify too. I think what Amy was saying about using certain key pieces of evidence kind of to highlight your opening statement, I don't see that necessarily. I mean, I understand you're probably using technology to put it up, but I understood the question a little bit more like, are you going to follow up PowerPoint and go through that with them? I have done that in closing, and I thought at least that was really effective at that point in the trial in a way that I don't think it's as effective at the beginning of the trial because it's not you're not consolidating and summarizing information in your opening statement and asking people to take in that visual learning and reminding them what they heard but the other thing you said Mary about like being so brief and like giving your opening statement to other people I think that's one of the most important things too and I know your spouse is a attorney, but I think whoever you give the opening statement to, whether it's another attorney, it's really important to also give that opening statement to someone who is not an attorney. Because, you know, we hear it and we're like, oh, I I know why you're going through that part because it's important for the law or whatever. Um, But you're right. People who may not have legal training might say like, oh, that was boring. (laughs) And, or like, why did you say that? I don't care. So you need to talk to a very honest, trusted, non-attorney friend to, you know, kind of call out like that made no sense. And like, you may not need it, may not be something that's essential to your opening statement. Again, on the technology, I will tell you, this is an example that didn't turn out very well. But I tried a case a few years ago where I was convinced that a PowerPoint in opening, you know, is a good idea. And because I'd read that somewhere or watched somebody else do it or whatever you do. And you can't really show too much in an opening because nothing's in evidence and there might be objections to the foundation or whatever it is. So you do have to be careful about what you're going to show in opening. So a lot of times I would just do some bullet points of what I think the facts are going to be. And also what my theme is or what the key verdict director will say, what we believe the bad acts will be. And I will show that I did that a little bit in opening, not too much, but I did that little bit in opening. And as the case progressed, a couple of those things didn't really pan out the way I wanted them to. And luckily, it wasn't something that the opposing counsel had picked up that much on. But I believed that I had shown the jury something at the beginning of the case that really didn't come up again and close. And I don't know if it made any difference in the long run, but it bothered me. 
because we work so very hard to be credible and legitimate and and we have to work extra hard at that. And so I think if you are going to do the opening, it needs to be benign to let them learn things, but not so much argument. Plus, you might get an objection if it's that way anyway. Well, and let me put my defense hat on real quick. Not defensive. Um, You're not being defensive. No. no. <laughs> my my okay. old, dusty defense attorney hat, <laughs> which we <laughs> all have in the back of a closet somewhere for the most part. Um and I remember a case that we I was in, and we had a paralegal sitting in the gallery snapping pictures of every yeah. slide of yeah. that opening statement, and we brought up two of them in closing. Yeah, totally And legit. said, remember when they told you this? Did you hear anything about that? And, you know, that's, that's going to happen no matter what. That's a risk with your opening statement that the defense attorney is going to say, well, you heard that in opening statement. It's just so punctuated by a slide right. that it is obviously taken at an angle on an iPhone. <laughs> and the jury is like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Who did they have in the back? Right. One thing that I used myself and I think is really important is that when obviously the defense comes out up second to give an opening statement, and I think it's really important and effective to not counter the first opening statement, but to almost, if, if you, if it's a case where you completely disagree and it's not something where li- liability is admitted or, you know, it's admitted causation or damages are obvious or whatever. Um, it's really important to tell a story of an alternate universe because that is often where you are from the plaintiff's impression of the story. And I think that reset and being so confident with that reset and not being like, oh, you just heard this, this, and this, you know. I mean, just start as if you were the first person to get up there. And I think that that's so important and much more effective in front of a jury, especially when the jury's sitting there watching to, like, hate an early cat fight. Like, they don't want to see, like, the rancor to start with. <laughs> like, they're already, they're already primed to be really annoyed with that, um, right. as the judges as well, I'm sure. And I think that's the best way on the defense side to be a good advocate at the outset. And I know, I know that we've kind of touched on what opening statement is and logistics of whether to use technology or not use technology and what, what key things you need to go through. Are there certain, for lack of a better way of saying it, do's and don'ts that you would all offer as far as things that you've either seen from an opening statement that you've that you've seen or one that you've handled yourself that you would say is a do or don't. I'll start and tell you one that I've heard from another attorney. It is important to say something to undermine one of the defenses if you can. If you can and execute it in a way that you're not trying too hard, but you're just, you know, undermining one of the defenses that you know they're going to hear. Um, an example would be if your client had a bad back and then suffered an injury that severely injured their back to the point they can't work anymore. You know, if you know the opposing counsel is going to stand up and say, oh, but listen to all the back problems they had before this accident, then you can stand up and say, hey, we're not going to argue that they didn't have a bad back before, that they were in the best shape. And then it kind of, when the opposing counsel stands up or when defense attorney stands up after you sit down, it there's not that that much heat behind it when they stand up and say, oh, uh, you know, he has a bad back. And the jury's already thinking, yeah, we know. We heard that from him. So I've got a story for that. And it 
was a young woman who was very healthy. She injured herself. It was a premise liability case. And um, at pretrial, the Thursday before trial started on that following Monday, I get all of these photos and videos of my incredibly athletic client doing box jumps and, and deadlifting and just superhuman strength. She was an amazing athlete. And it completely blindsided us, and and I argued really hard to keep it out, and the judge very correctly said, no, this is clearly relevant. It gets to come in. And so all weekend I was stressing and freaking out about what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And I got advice. Use it in your opening. Put it up there. Completely take the heat out of it, like you said. And that's what I did. And I I put it up there, and I said, you know, we're not going to – deny that the plaintiff is in good shape. She works really hard. But but the argument was she works hard, not the defendant. The defendant hurt her and she has she has to put those hours in the gym. And I could tell I could work to recover. Yeah. She and she worked really hard. And I could see on the defense attorney's face he didn't expect me to do that. And he got up there and he didn't talk about it at all. He flew right by it. We owned up to it quickly, and so the jury didn't think that we were trying to hide something. That's what's important, I think. Right. Yeah. And and we tried to turn it to our advantage. So there's a really, I think, effective formatting for opening that I've used the last number of years. And you start with what's the rule and how was it violated in this case? And it can be general. It doesn't have to be exactly track your verdict director, but it can be general. Here's the rule. Here's how they violate it. And this is why we should win, essentially. And then you go into the story of the case. And then after you have the jury buys into what the rules are and how they weren't followed, tell the client's story, and then you get into undermining. And so every case now, as the case proceeds, I listen to the defense experts or the defendant, him or herself, and I start, of course, you're you're hearing the undermining immediately, and I make notes of it, and then you incorporate it in, and it's exactly the same thing. It's a preemption. You say, okay, before we decided to come to trial, there were a number of things that we had to work through in the discovery. One of them is our client, or the, you decide what you want to do. The defendant has made a big deal out of, or something along those lines, our client is pretty healthy today. She's pretty healthy due to her hard work. And we looked at that and we, we thought about that and we thought, yeah, it doesn't matter that she's healthy. She was still hurt by the defense wrongdoing and we decided to come to trial or you know, fill in the blank of what the undermining is. My client had pre-existing conditions. She's okay now. Whatever all the defenses are to every case we've ever looked at. And you get ahead of it. And not only do you get ahead of it to preempt it, but you say, yeah, we thought about this. We thought about it and decided that that wasn't as important as bringing the case to trial for you good people to listen to. And I do think it takes the wind out of the sails, so to speak. And then either the defendant takes it further and the jury's like, yeah, I've already heard this, or they just abandon it altogether. I mean, it's still going to come out in the evidence and in a day it might, it might make a difference and likely could, but at least you've gotten in front of it. And then I always end my opening with damages because you always, you always want to talk about the effect it has had on the client's life or the, uh, the family's lives. So that, that's the format. It's rule, story, undermine damages is the format that I've used. And I like it because 
I've got all these facts running around in my head, all this evidence and how I've always, it's not the story that I can't tell. It's the best way to tell the story. And so with a format like that, I've found it effective. Is there anything that you've seen that you really just thought that was not effective or wow, I, I really was, I don't want to do that having watched it once. I saw an opening that our office in a case that we participated in over the summer and the causation was a huge issue. It was a med mal. And we had some science that the defense decided to call junk science. There was no way we could prove it. It was impossible. That absolutely did not happen. And I think instead of just saying, like, that's not what happened here, they were just like, there's no absolute way that that could have happened. And I think it really killed them because they could not disprove our theories during the case. And I think that they completely oversold what they were going to do and undersold what we were going to do, obviously, and it did not go very well for them. See, and what, that's one of the situations where in close, you typically, we order the, the transcript of the opening and say, this is what they told you. Right. This is what they told you. And like, that goes both ways. It goes both ways. So you have to be very, very careful. But I, I think it's equally as, I think it's more effective if you can say, remember what they told you? They told you that and then didn't show you that. Right. It's a problem. It kind of sounds like, Elizabeth, that was don't undersell or oversell. It just, really. You just have to be perfect. I mean, yeah. what's hard <laughs> just to understand don't. about that? It's not that hard. Because speaking in absolutes. Mary Poppins, you're yeah. opening. <laughs> speaking in absolutes when you know you don't have the evidence or the support to back up what you're saying, you probably shouldn't do it. Right. It was just way too extreme. I think that they should have just, I don't know. They called it junk science. And it was just, I think that that's kind of offensive. And it was yeah. peer-reviewed supported doctors who swore under oath to say it. I mean, most importantly, you remember that. You remember that they called it junk science and you remember that that was not, that was a devastating thing for them to say. Yeah, and the medical articles that we were sort of relying on were brought to by their own experts to their depositions. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's hurtful. What I was going to say before is that they were trying to like knock it out of the park and go 100% when they just needed to beat a burden of proof, which is not the hardest thing to do in a med mal case from our experience. So the takeaways I have written down from today's discussion is be yourself, practice a lot, and movie trailer. That's my favorite part. (laughs) I was like, I had another one, but I didn't write down fast enough. Movie trailer. Don't overpromise or oversell. (laughs) And have a general format. Yeah, have a general form of what's yeah. going to work. Don't for get you. overwhelmed by how you're going to tell this story. Plug in, plug and play your opening, and then be be by the time you get to your closing, you're not sitting there like, "How do I format?" Right. Be yourself. Tell your client's story and stick to a format that works for you. We have one more item of business, ladies. We need to officially congratulate our newest member of the bar. Yay, Yay Elizabeth! You. Congratulations. Thank you. You'll be hearing a lot more from her as she takes her first deposition and watch Elizabeth do her first opening statement. She's already <laughs> going to be. Elizabeth yeah. has already defended her first expert depo. Mm-hmm. Have you really? Within what, a week of getting uh, sworn in? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> She's a soldier. Awesome. More Congratulations. to come. More to come. Thanks for joining the female attorneys at the Simon Law Firm on this edition of Heels in the Courtroom. This has been Elizabeth, Mary, Liz, Erica, and Amy. Join us next time and visit us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth 
at heelsinthecourtroom.law.